Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist and very insightful individual, Vince Underwood, about what comics he would take into an asteroid impact apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to make you aware that next Monday, the 29th of March, I'll be launching the Kickstarter for an oversized hardcover edition of the Milford Green Saga, which includes an oversized bookmark designed and signed by The Walking Dead artist Charlie Adlard. If you haven't come across Milford Green before, it's my Victorian space adventure series that follows Alfie Fairfield and Mary Wells as they battle aliens here on Earth and beyond. To find out more and sign up to the pre-launch Kickstarter page, click the link in the show notes or simply go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash the Milford Green saga. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Vince Underwood. How's it going? <laughs> well, it's going well. Doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, we were both just complaining about the weather because it's it's both raining here in the UK and raining in California. That's correct. Yeah, man. Um, it's yeah. Um, it's just it it makes it even worse at the moment, doesn't it? When it's raining, because <laughs> you know you, you you try to get as much brightness in your life at the moment um as you can but unfortunately yeah it is really really um wet and rainy today yeah well, i mean we've been inside for uh for just over a year now so yeah the sunshine's a little a little hard to come by a little brightness difficult to find definitely man um but all of that aside um let's try and brighten up everybody's day uh, by finding out about what you do in the world of comics I'm an artist. Um, I work primarily digitally. Um, uh, you um, uh, can find me my comics uh, page turn and Elk Mountain on Comicsology, and yeah. uh, I just uh, had a uh, funded last week a new graphic novel on Kickstarter called The Miracles with writer Joe Glass, um, and that uh, that should be out in October of this year uh digitally and uh, a limited physical run and that was a monster kickstart man congratulations on that oh thanks so much yeah it was a giant campaign and a a real nail biter funded in the last two hours yeah it really was it was down to the wire wasn't it um but uh yeah i mean you know uh, all, all credit to, to yourself and Joe and the rest of the team. Um, you guys pulled it off. And uh, yeah, uh, almost a thousand backers, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's absolutely amazing to me. The biggest thing I've ever been a part of. So um, yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Exciting times, man. Exciting times. And can people pre-order that? Um, um, like so, post Kickstarter or? Uh, not, not currently, no. So anybody no. who... Um, Obviously, it's going to backers of the Kickstarter, but uh, once uh, once it's all finished and uh, we've fulfilled the uh, requirements for the backers, we'll we'll make that available. Uh, like I said, yeah. we're expecting October. Awesome, man! Awesome. Um, and speaking of which, where can people find you online? Uh, on Twitter, it's real easy at Vince Underwood. Um, Instagram at Vince Underwood Art, and then my website VinceUnderwood.com. I keep it real simple. Nice, man. Nice. And uh, as always, folks, those links are in the show notes. So go follow Vince whilst we're chatting away and check out his art and his brilliant art of, of the miracles. Um, it, looks, it looks like it's going to be absolutely fantastic, Vince. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no worries, man. Um, now, um, all of that brightness aside, um, unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you. Um, and that is uh, on top of the current pandemic that we're living through, um, there's an asteroid heading for Earth as well. <laughs> Who'd have thought, you know, sod's law and all that. Um, so my question for you is, what is your action plan for survival? Well, that's an interesting one, because at first I was, you know, you know what, what, uh, how do you how do you survive that? And, you know, actually you know, mammals survived it once before back in the Cretaceous, mm-hmm. the KT extinction. And the yeah, way man. they survived was escaping the heat. So they dug, they went underground. So 
my plan, I'm going to start digging a hole right in the middle of my living room. I'm going underground <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm hiding. Nice, man. Um, and is anybody going with you? Oh, well, I've got my, my, my wife here with, uh, lives here with me and, uh, we've got a, got a trio of pets, a couple of dogs and a cat. So yeah, nice, bring man. them down, down in the, the whole hole. team. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Excellent. So whilst you're hunkering down in your newly dug hole, um, you and the wife get chatting about comics and things, and she kind of wants to find out more uh, kind of about your, your comics origins. And the, the first question she asks is, what's, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Well, uh, so I'm going to kind of glide past the first one I remember enjoying because I was just wired for comics. So that would just, the answer would just be whatever the first comic you put in my hands. But the first one that I fell in love with, as I'm going to put a little spin on this. And the first one I I like it, I like it, um, was a reprint of uncanny X-Men number one back from 1963, Stanley and Jack Kirby. That would be the first, the first comic that I became absolutely obsessed with. And what was it about it that that made you obsessed? So I'm a huge fan of Jack Kirby. There's something about that, that just his work that just clicked with me in, in a, in an amazing profound way, but it was also the, the X-Men were kind of my gateway into comics, even before I got that issue. And the reason I got that issue was I was reading um, the Claremont uh, Jim Lee and then later uh, Fabian Nikiates' stuff at the time. And and the animated series was on the Fox animated series. And so that was that was my real gateway, and it expanded from there. And so as I was in the comic shop um, around, so this is about eight or nine years old at the at this point. And um, you know, I see this reprint of this, you know, it it looks old, you know, it has that feel, that Silver Age feel, and I and mm-hmm. I grab this thing and all of a sudden I'm 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 reading this issue and I'm I'm seeing this incredible art that's just it's kind of weird. It kind of like made me a little uncomfortable at first. It was so different, you know. So like I said, I was seeing all this Jim Lee stuff. It was about all I was seeing and and it was being mirrored and 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 recreated as best they could on television. And to then to see this Kirby stuff, it just was blowing my mind. But but more uh even more significantly was I was seeing the origins of these characters, this original team. And what I felt like was that, you know, all my friends on the playground, they thought they knew the X-Men, but I, I knew the X-Men. I knew why mm. they were called X-Men because it was the extra power. I knew who the original five were. I, I knew that Beast wasn't blue and furry all the time. So mm. I felt like I carried this thing. I rolled it or I rolled it up. I carried it in my pocket and I, I'd read it you know, multiple times a day. And it just, there was, I felt like an insider, you know, I felt like I had this secret information, you know, this is your pre-internet, right. You know, you know, you can't just go onto Wikipedia and find out, you know, the history of, of, of angel, why, you know, like, or mm. Scott or whoever. And, and so suddenly I felt like this authority in it, you know, yeah, like, Sure. Like ex, yeah, like this ex, uh, an expert for you know. <laughs> the <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic, man. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting to think kind of how things have, have changed, where you can literally just kind of look things up um, nowadays and just read kind of you know a few paragraphs of a Wikipedia article or something mm-hmm. like that and get a rundown. But like back in the day, it was probably like as you say, you felt kind of like a, an expert, an authority on these types of things. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of develops, particularly within the realm of, of comics, of course. Yeah, yeah um, that was absolutely one of my, one of just like my favorite things as a kid too, was I collected the cards, you know, because right. I would read these biographies and things. So it was just ever since the beginning, just knowing as much about these characters and their history and their lore was, was a big part of the appeal of, of diving into these giant worlds that were 80, 50, you know, years old. Um, it's just, it's, it was one of the most incredible parts about it to me. That's awesome, man. And so, as you said, you're, you're about eight or nine years old at this point. Um, so from that, did you start drawing or were you drawing before? So, yeah, I was drawing before I, I, I was really, um, 
I like to always say that I was into superheroes before I was into superheroes because I was really mm-hmm. drawn to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, just heroic figures. They weren't cape and tight figures, right? But I was still drawing them and, and obsessed with them. So I was I was just primed for it. The second somebody put, you know, the cape and tights in front of me, I just, I ate it up because I just, I was ready for that type of archetype. And so, yeah, I was always drawing. I was always... Um, sketching and and uh and that i do drawings for my classmates and things like that so um i always felt i had a you know a little bit of a natural skill for it um from an early age awesome and and uh, i suppose that followed into your teenage years um and or did it (laughs) well um yes and no um from about around the time i was about 12 or 13 um i i couldn't really buy comics anymore um just our, my family's financial situation change, you know, right. and, and access. And so I kind of fell, uh, fell off the wagon for a little bit, but, you know, I still, you know, I still was very creative. I, I, I was heavily into uh, uh, music in high school and um, in my teen years. And, and I actually spent um, as an adult, 18 years teaching music. And, um, and so, you know, there was always that creative aspect of me, but it wasn't until um, I was about 17 or 18 um and the first X-Men movie was hitting theaters and it just, you know, reawakened all of this in me. And one of the first things, mm-hmm. you know, I think that first, it was before the first trailer, they released like promo images and I just, I was losing my mind. And we, uh, mm-hmm. my best friend and I, we went back and we went to the shop and what I, where I stopped reading comics, the X-Men were in the middle of the age of apocalypse storyline. And mm-hmm. the first thing I did, it's, it's about, six years later I'm buying all the collected editions and back issues I can. And I just picked up where I left off. So there was a bit of a, a lull in there. And, um, but then, yeah, from that point, it was no looking back, just huge comics fan, all just collecting, reading everything I could from that point on. And then as far as art goes, um, I always wanted to do it. I didn't actually get serious about it until, um, uh, about six or seven years ago, uh, into my thirties, um, had a bit of a, just kind of a, a life shakeup where I was, you know, entering a new chapter and kind of was just looking around and going, well, what do I want to do? What, where do I want life to go? And the answer has always been comics. And I just, uh, finally kind of got the a bit of the courage and a bit of the, uh, kind of wild abandon <laughs> and then, then, sure. uh, through caution of the wind and uh it's been it's been going well awesome and then sorry was it page turn first or was it elk mountain uh page turn first yeah i um yeah early on i i did get um i did a book for a um for a film company um it was a movie prequel for a horror film that actually never came out so my first work actually Mm -hmm. never saw the light of day and sitting kind of sitting uh uh, after that was completed, you know, sitting there, I was like, well, what next? You know, I did all this work. I, I know I, I know I can make comics, but nobody saw me. You know, what do I do? So I self-published and, and made this book page turn, which was it's a very it's a small biographical um, comic about um, kind of my creative process and what I was going through at the time. And from there, it got enough attention that I, I met um, Jordan Clark, um, who wrote Elf Mountain and uh he also he just wrapped up a stint on uh, uh, an arc on Aquaman, and um, he's, a, he's a fantastic writer, a great guy. And uh, you know, we uh, I did some cover work for him on one of his indie series, and we um, from there we kind of just went, well, let's do a, let's do an actual book together. So we uh, we kind of developed this Elk Mountain idea, and we we kickstarted the first part. And um, there's still there's still half that story to tell, but uh, you know. Um, just a matter of getting the stars to align so that we can finish that for yeah. people. But well, fingers crossed, yeah, that happens uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah. not 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 until after October, I suppose, with the miracles. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and so, how did the um, how did Joe approach you? Well, I actually um, it was the other way around. Um, Great. So so what happened was the miracles actually um, went through a few artists um, before I came on board and. Mm-hmm. Um, I started following Joe because of his comic, the pride and yeah. kind of just seeing him and, and, you know, doing everything I could at the time just to reach out and meet as many people, um, in the indie comic scene as I could. And, um, Joe just, he posted a tweet 
just said, Hey, I'm looking for an artist for a thing. Is anyone interested? And, um, I, I honestly, I didn't think, you know, he would give me a second glance uh, at the time. So I, <laughs> my response was almost, um, uh, almost careless. It was, it was a gif, if I, you know, like, I think it was, I think it was somebody waving at him, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, I guess that was my way of being like, well, don't, don't go for it too hard. So you don't have to feel the rejection. Um, yeah. I kind of half hearted, but, uh, <laughs> he, he, he sent me a, he sent me a message, I think within five, 10 minutes and was just like, Hey, here's what it is. And here's what we're doing. And we started to have this, we just got locked in this kind of like day long conversation about what that story meant to him and where it came from and its history. And he actually, um, he shared with me some things about, um, um, about his own personal experiences and, and, mm-hmm. and what this character is going through. And I, I, I don't want to get into too much cause it's got some story spoilers in there, but, um, yeah. where he, you know, I've been thinking about superheroes and, and, and superhero comics my whole life. And, and here Joe says to me some things that completely altered my perspective on, um, on a certain aspect of them. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is interesting. This is, this is, fresh and and exciting and uh that was about that was about two years ago and um so it did take us a while to kind of figure out how it was going to land what its final form was going to be it was at 1.4 issues and then we inflated it to six before finally landing on kind of doing this this single shot uh, 120 uh, page graphic novel that is epic man absolutely epic i mean it's quite an undertaking <laughs> to to blast it all out at once Oh yeah, no, I'm going to be um about the next uh 6 months of my life or are working on that one book, so. Totally. You're going to be in your own lockdown then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Own self-imposed artist lockdown <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Uh now, uh heading back to your self-dug hole um with your wife and and your pets. Um the next question that crops up is what's the funniest comic that you've read? So on this one, I thought this one was was this is a kind of a difficult one to think about, but um, because I think that that humor is so difficult and and rare in superhero comics, which is like you know I I, I don't just read exclusively superhero comics, but it is what I love, and and I think funny comics are just they're harder to come by than 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 dramatic comics or scary comics and all this, mm-hmm. and so like I started like running through this list and there were the kind of the the usual suspects and things that popped to mind and I wanted to talk about them so bad and I was having a hard time making my choice and I was like oh is it sex criminals is it is it something by Mark Russell who I think is just the mm-hmm. best satirical voice in all of comics and I'm sitting there and I'm I was agonizing it and my wife she turns to me and she goes I'll tell you what it is because it's the hardest I heard you laugh while reading a comic and it was Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number five. Um, Specifically, there's a scene in the Batcave and she said she had never heard me just chuckle like that reading a comic. Awesome. And, and uh, are you able to kind of describe the scene that made you laugh out loud like that? So, so what it is, is, um, is Bruce is in the, in the Batcave and he's kind of realizing that he's, he thinks he's funny and he's not funny and because he's Batman, right? And he's not, he's a serious guy. And Alfred comes in with, um, uh, with, with an edible arrangement. And he, he just says to him, he says, how much have you paid people to laugh at my jokes all of these years? And Alfred responds, $85,400. And, <laughs> and he said, and you know, he goes, Alfred, leave the edible arrangement because Boosie hungy. Boosy, very hungry, and uh, and I just, I just like I laughed about that for days. I've been saying it for for months on end. Just, uh, just boosy hungry, you know. And it ends with this shot where he's sitting in his, you know, his his chair with his big computer in the cave, and he's got this, you know, bow and arrow prop running through his head. It's just the goofiest thing, and just that whole series in general. And Matt Fraction is just absolutely hilarious and steve lieber bringing all that that humor to life with just such a a great touch in the art and so much so much character and personality in every everything he draws that it just absolutely lands over and over again but that moment in particular in that series just absolutely cracks me up that's awesome man 
I mean, it's great that your wife kind of pointed that out for you uh, to say kind of like externally, like you literally kind of, you know, had laughed out loud for it. Um, that's fun, a nice memory to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was glad she was able to help me with that because like I said, I was struggling <laughs> thinking about that. It's nice, man. Excellent. Uh, now, um, switching gears, um, the next question that crops up is what's the saddest comic or the most upsetting moment in a comic? Yeah, so... Uh, these were two very different different things for me because because I, I you know for me you know it's like thinking about that well the most upsetting is one thing the saddest is one so for saddest it's Superman Annual number eleven by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons the uh, for the man who has everything is the name of that story right. and uh, that is um, it's Superman's birthday uh, February twenty ninth and. Um, uh, Bruce, Diana, and Dick Grayson still, still, or no, sorry, Jason Todd, excuse me. Uh, Jason Todd um, uh, are going to the K or to the fortress and uh, to visit him on his birthday. And he's been taken over by this plant called the Black Mercy. And uh, that's been delivered to him by Mongol. And what the Black Mercy does is it shows you your ultimate fantasy. And for, for Clark, it is, it is being back on Krypton, married with a child, and he's a farmer, and he's he's happy. He has everything he's ever wanted. He doesn't have the um, the burden of being Superman. His his world is peaceful, and while he's kind of living in that dream, you know, they're fighting Mongol and trying to save him. But the the thing to me that makes it the saddest thing that always just it always chokes me up is um, when they pull him out of it, he has to say goodbye to his son. That for uh, that he believes Vanell is 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 as real. He's lived a life with him. It's as real as anything. It doesn't feel like a dream. It feels like a whole life he's lived. And you know he has this moment where he looks at him and he says, "Rao, help me. I don't think you're real." And you know the kid is scaring him. You know, and and it's just it's just so absolutely heartbreaking to me. And. Um, and then like it gets followed up by the mercy hitting Bruce and then Bruce gets to see his parents live. And it's just, just those moments back to back, but particularly the Superman one, just absolute tear jerkers. And we have a little, little tradition around here that we actually watch the, uh, it's brilliantly adapted. Uh, uh, Jam, uh, uh, Jam Dimatis uh, adapted it for justice league unlimited. Um, I think it's the second or third episode of that show. And uh, like we watch it every year on my birthday and <laughs> I just I, I <laughs> sob like a baby. Yeah. Um, but I mm-hmm. love that story. Um, I think it is one of the best just single issue stories um, ever put together. I mean, we're talking about Alan Moore, so it's, and then Dave Gibbons. Yeah. So, cool. not sure quite yet. a team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's fantastic, man. Um, and it's it's obviously great to have the um, uh, the DC Unlimited um, version as well. Um, yeah. But uh, no, that's that's fantastic. And then uh, your the most upsetting element oh, of this question. Yeah. So I like this is interesting because again, you know, when I think of upsetting, this isn't a comic that I I, I necessarily like at this point. Um, but it was The Walking Dead number one hundred, and I it was you know it's like summer of twenty twelve, and I was going um, um, I was I was I was with an old friend and. Um, we were going, we were going out shopping or something. I don't remember where we were headed, but I was like, Oh, let me run by and pick up my comics, you know? And I, I pick up this issue and I'm sitting in the passenger seat reading it while we're driving to our next destination. And this is the issue where Negan first shows up and he, he murders Glenn. And it just, it felt cruel. Like I felt abused as a reader, Um, just sick to my stomach. I was crying in the car and, you know, it, I stopped when he, when he first hits him and I stopped and I just, I closed the book and, you know, and I was, you know, I, I don't know how far in the issue that is. It's not done by any means, but, and I just went, I don't know if I can keep reading this. And I turned the page and that's when they reveal like the blow doesn't kill him. He just keeps talking and it's just that's oh, the worst bit, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and Adler's art, like, Oh my yeah. goodness. It's just, and I'm just, I'm just in this car screaming, no, 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 no. I just want to, th- I just want to chuck this comic out the window. You know, if it wasn't for the Frank Quitely variant cover, I, I might've done it. Um, 
but uh, yeah, and we ended up going to wherever we were, wherever we were shopping next or whatever, you know, errand we were running. And I just, I was like, I think I was inside for like three minutes. And I, I said, I, I, I got to leave. I can't be here. I can't be out. I was just, you know, most of, I was that upset because I, and, and I just, it was, and the thing was with that series was I came to it late. I think I, I started reading it around the time issue 75, you know, it was, um, so what I had actually done is I had binged the whole thing up to, you know, it took me a little while. So by the time I think it had been go, by the time I was caught up, it was on like 90. So I had it as this intense burst, you know, and, and, Mm um, and, and it spent a lot of time very quickly with these characters. So that, that loss was intense. And so, like I said, I don't know, you know, if it's a comic I like, I certainly haven't read it again since then, but I've always, yeah, yeah, you got up to that point and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did, I did stick with the series, but yeah, I don't know if I've ever revisited that, that issue, but um, I've always, yeah, but I've always, I've always been impressed with, just the way Kirkman was able to just deliver a blow like that, you know, it almost, um, it was, it was interesting the way that a page and that a drawing and some words that comics could, could hit me that hard in that way. You know, I, I had felt, you know, I, I cried from comics. I'd laughed from comics. I've been excited by comics, but that level of just, just, yeah, like I felt sick and, 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 and outraged and a, a million other um, emotions all cascading at once. It was, it was very upsetting. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. That. And I, that is definitely got to be one of the most upsetting moments in, in, in comics. Um, and uh, yeah, Charlie, <coughs> Charlie Adlard's art kind of obviously kind of brings it to life even more that, that moment. Um mm-hmm. And oh my god, yeah! Just I can just see the eyes right yeah. now, you yeah. know, just like the baseball bat sunk into the middle of his head, and the the eyeballs popping is, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yep. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> um, moving on to our next question, um, and, and once again, changing gears. Um, what's the scariest comic that you've read? So uh, this is going to be. Uh, an interesting choice because it isn't really specifically a horror comic, but it's to me, it is uh, from volume two of Batman number 37 as from Snyder and Capullo's run. And the reason I choose this is because the Joker is my favorite villain of all time. And I find him legitimately very, very scary. And um, it is, it is that idea of, where, where Bruce Wayne, Batman is about control, is about willpower. It's about even this this idea of this little boy who the world was out of his control in the worst way possible. And all he's trying to do is exert control back on that world. The Joker is the opposite of that. He's chaos. He's the way that we're all just kind of running towards the void, essentially, you know, and that that anything could happen to us at any minute. And it's that is truly like existentially kind of the scariest part about being alive and being a person, right. Is the way tragedy can just strike. And, and so there's something at the core of this character of this, just this, this idea of chaos that is, that is always just really shook me. And, and, and so like, I'm like, he is again, my favorite villain. I've got a shelf behind me. That's all just Joker stuff. And, Hmm. and, so yeah, I've always been very uneasy and, and, and freaked out and, you know, something like, uh, uh Grant Morrison, uh, uh, Arkham Asylum, you know, just, it's, 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 it's I love it, but it's, it's difficult for me to read because I am, I irrationally scared of this character. And so in this <laughs> sure. issue, in this issue, you know, Gordon, he's, he's looking into this, this history of, of, of Gotham and, he sees this photo of the Joker that, you know, he doesn't know if it's real or not. That, that implies the Joker possibly is an immortal being. And 
that he's just this thing that's always existed, this monster that's always been in the shadows. And it's, it's clearly the Joker messing with him. Right. And, 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 and it's, so it kind of gives this, like, it kind of sends this like chill down my spine when that first happened, but then the, the Joker is under his bed and which is a, a, a punchline to a setup from issue 14 and Capullo draws, there's this panel of the Joker crawling out of Gordon's bed. And there's just something about the way Capullo does that body language that he's slithering out from underneath the bed. It is just one of the creepiest images I've ever seen in a comic. And it just uh, absolutely nightmare inducing for me at the time. I just absolutely, I think about it all the time. It's just, if, if I ever have to draw something, scary that's my that the way that image made me feel is my is my goalpost that's fantastic man um as well as it being scary of course um it's it's kind of fantastic to have that that reference um to be able to draw on um and uh yeah it's so amazing when it, it amazes me as a writer when an artist manages to capture something like that where you can kind of evoke that that feeling that something is slithering, um, yeah. Even though it's you know somebody coming out of the you know it's a person crawling out of from underneath the bed, but you can still feel like it's slithering. It's so yeah, cool. that's what that's what's so incredible about it too is that in my mind, you know, the first time I went to revisit it, I could have sworn that it was multiple panels, you know, of him right. coming out over time, like motion in the body, mm-hmm. and it's one shot. It is one shot that implies so much motion. The uh, Greg Capullo is a, is a master of his craft. Straight out, straight out. Now, talking about um, excellent art, and um, we we come on to my favorite question, and that is, what is your favorite cover? Is this your favorite question? Because it is the hardest question in the world to answer. Yes, <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> I, I am also. I'm just so always intrigued. Um, what what actually pulls people in from a cover? You know, what is it that attracts people to a cover? So something that I absolutely adore is old Silver Age and Golden Age covers. Um, ones that tell a whole a whole story. And um, whether it's so, you know, I fell in love with covers for World's Finest, the Batman Superman team up book. And, you know, you find these covers like um, that are just they're just wild. But if you go all the way back to the Golden Age, um, the book was just, it was an anthology collecting previously published Batman Superman stories. So there wasn't, uh, later down the road, they would have their own team up stories in there. But initially, um, going back to those early issues, it was just, oh, here's a story that already appeared in in Batman 10, you know, or, and here's a little backup featuring uh, Zatara or Green Arrow. And so the covers would have, they would just be original art created to collect these, you know, seemingly random stories where Batman and Superman wouldn't actually interact. They actually did not um, interact for many, many years later in comics, Mm. but they had these, these covers to world's finest. And my absolute favorite of those is world's finest number three from 1941. And it features Batman and Superman and Robin playing baseball yeah, and that image just absolutely just cracks me up. It is ridiculous. It has nothing to do with anything, and <laughs> so it's it's you know because kind of the way I approached this, I was like, well, what's my favorite type of cover, you know? And it is definitely these early world's finest. And you know, in issue fifteen, they're also playing baseball, but it's uh, Batman sliding into second, I think. And, uh, you know, one of the ones I've been trying to collect these, but they, you know, they're hard to find. They're so old. So I have like issue 20 and it's, it's Robin getting on a scale. I don't know why Robin's getting weighed in and Batman's leaning on the scale and Superman is casually behind him, putting his toe on the scale to make (laughs) Robin hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And Robin's just shocked. He's, he's, he doesn't understand what's happening, and Superman has this look on his, this mischievous look on his face. And I was, these are these are insane. They're surfing on the cover of issue thirty six, <laughs> you know. And so, 
it's 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 one of the things like i collect these i collect these just just for the covers like well, my wife and i will go to a con when they're you know back when there were such things and um and we'll just look through these boxes of world's finest and we'll just we'll just both pick them just based on you know like oh look at this one this one has caveman superman fighting super evolved giant brain batman what the heck is that about um <laughs> so they're just they're wild they 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 represent to me um, you know, as much as I love, you know, maturity and depth of storytelling and, and, and modern comics and everything that comes with that. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling those types of stories myself. And, you know, I think that superheroes do need to have a level of, of fun. And, you know, I, I don't know if the audience wants Superman and Batman playing baseball per se, but, uh, <laughs> but it's I, a it great does remind me. Honestly, people go check it out. World's finest comics, issue number three. Google it now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it, it it makes me smile in a way that just yeah. you know it's absolutely delightful. No, that's fantastic, man. And yeah, um, it's it's a brilliant cover, and I have no idea how the artist came up for this. And I believe that it's um, uh, Fred Ray that drew this mm-hmm. one specifically um, from from the wiki. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant <laughs> cover. Yeah, got well, that, Batman's I, holding the bat and Robin's the catcher. Um, yeah. and, um, what do you call the person that's behind the catcher? Oh, that would be, uh, yeah. He, uh, Superman's the umpire. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, that issue is actually, uh, if for anyone who's interested in a little, uh, comics factoid, that issue is the first appearance of the scarecrow as well. Oh, is it really? Wow. Oh, yeah. World's finest number three first scarecrow story. Huh, fascinating. How how does it how does he get introduced? You know, I don't know. I haven't actually. Oh, you know, like yeah. I, like that, especially because of that little fact. That is going to yeah. be one that I do not get into my collection ever or anytime soon. <laughs> it's super creepy, um, but uh, no, that's fantastic, man. But no, it's a, it's a great cover and it's a great um, thing to collect because it's I don't know. It's just got this kind of almost joyous feeling because they're all smiling. Um, and it kind of feels like, yeah, literally the golden age. <laughs> yep. That's uh, nice, man. Excellent. Uh, now, uh, moving on to another of my favorite question, and that is, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Watchmen number nine. This was the easiest question to answer. Watchmen number nine, hands awesome. down. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, it's the issue on Mars um, with uh, Laurie and, and uh, Dr. Manhattan. And the reason I choose this issue is it's the, the the bit at the end where he talks about thermodynamic miracles, events with odds so astronomical they're effectively impossible, like oxygen spontaneously becoming gold. And the the reason I, I, I choose this is is because um, as a teenager when I when I, I read this issue, it is it is a, a essentially a funnel point for me as a person where the, the person who read that, who was reading that issue, who started that issue and the person who finished it were not the same person. It fundamentally changed the way I viewed every other person around me, myself, my own experiences, this idea that, um, um, that just every single one of us, you know, and it's not, it's not like before it, I was walking around, like, no, I didn't think human life had any value or anything, but (laughs) there was something about it. There was something about it being um, articulated in that way. And to, to, to really stop and think about that, the idea, the impossibility that, that 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 I'm here, that you're here, that any of us are here, and how precious that is. I mean, the way he, um, you know, he says uh, in every, in each human coupling, a thousand million sperm vie for a single egg. Multiply those odds by countless generations against the odds of your ancestors being alive, meeting, siring this precise son, that exact daughter, and and when you just you think about yeah, the odds of this specific form chaos of improbability like air turning to gold like it's just it's such an incredible thought it's it to me is is i'm not a i'm not a religious man but it is it is a a a near religious statement to me that piece of that book because it is i just think it's just i don't know i it's i think it's one of the the greatest things ever written 
and and to me it's the finest moment and one of the finest comics of all time and and it, it changed me fundamentally reading that that's incredible man very poignant um and, and very insightful it's it's so good when when you read a story and the the authors have um articulated a point that you know you you might have kind of thought briefly about but it just it leads you to develop that deeper thought as you said um and uh, that thought in particular of you know the chances of us being able to be alive <laughs> it's just so astronomical that it kind of it makes you appreciate being alive i think doesn't it yeah yeah and absolutely and just and and to understand how how there's no such thing as an insignificant person is, mm. is I think, you know, because, because that's the, that's the whole, you know, the whole thing that, you know, Dr. Manhattan's going through is, you know, is, is, is what is, you know, what is this humanity? What does it matter? You know, and that's his epiphany is that it, it's, it, it is a miracle, but it is a commonplace miracle. So we forget about it. Exactly. Exactly. That was amazing. And great, great choice. Great choice for that one. Uh, now, um, moving on to our next question, and, and back in our, our yourself, Doug, hole, uh, the next question that comes up is, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Uh, the thing that always comes to my mind is uh, Dave McKean's Cages. Um, it's um, it's a, a book he did across several years. It's 10 issues with these this giant collected edition that you could you could use to defend your house it's things a monster um uh this giant book but it's it's the story of an artist who moves into um uh, uh an apartment building and it's just full of all these you know peculiar and kind of interesting characters and and um you know some kind of just surreal and interesting things happen to him it's a loose narrative but there's this it's very free form. It's very much like jazz and, and styles and reality bend throughout it. It's just this beautiful piece of art. This beautiful meditation on, on art and creativity. And, and that just, it fluctuates from being this really thin, precise line to these beautifully painted sequences. And, and um, I, I think the reason I, I, I pick it for most underrated like I mean, it's, it, it won two harvey awards and i know people have heard of it and they know dave mckean um but i just don't ever hear it in the conversation when you know we talk about you know these kind of these great works that also you know you know you hear people talk about watchmen you hear people talk about like a mouse or or various things and sandman and and i i, I do think that that cages is um is a piece of art on on that kind of level and i just don't hear it often in that conversation and i don't run into people often who who are too terribly familiar with it yeah and i'm i'm one of them um not i wasn't familiar with it at all um and uh yeah upon kind of reading that it was it was your choice i was very very intrigued to to read up on it um and it's it's got me really intrigued <laughs> um, yeah no so i would highly i highly recommend it, it. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful and it's 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 bizarre and yeah. and um and strange but beautiful all which I mean I guess bizarre strange and beautiful is a perfect description for the work of Dave McKean. <laughs> Straight up. That's awesome. Um and the covers are great. Oh yeah. Yeah, his mixed media stuff, you know, like he was yeah. doing for Sandman also. It's just um yeah. it's always stunning. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, now, um, moving on to our penultimate question in regards to comics, and that is what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Um, I went with uh, Batman Year One uh, by uh, Miller and uh, Mazzuccelli and uh, Richmond Lewis. Um, I just think, I, you know, I'm all about superheroes. Uh, I love superheroes. And I think that, that Year One, um, it's it's cut and dry. It's straight. It's down the middle. You know, people love Batman, um, you know, and they, they gravitate to particularly the kind of more grounded aspects of him. You know, you look at the popularity of, of the Nolan films, you know, and it's like, this is, this is all that, that Batman begins the dark Knight, but 10 times better. <laughs> Year <laughs> one's fantastic. And, and Mazzuccelli's art, I think in that book is, is some of the finest ever committed to a page and Richmond Lewis, her colors. I just, 
I, I think that is the best coloring I in in any comic. Um, there's just the 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 use of color. There's there's a scene where he um, there's like an informant. Uh, he he jumps in through a window and like tackles him, and the scenes all these beautiful red tones and everything. It's always just jumps out in my mind, and um, yeah, I just think yeah, it's visually just gorgeous, and I think it's just it's just a really it's a superhero story, but it's it's a very human story. It's a tragic story. It's um, uh, filled with you know like Gordon is just you know, Gordon being the kind of the 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 um, the POV character for a lot of it. I think he's just he's just a fantastic character in that story and flawed and and yeah i just i just i think it's i think it's a good place to introduce someone to superheroes who isn't quite you know because it can be it can be difficult right you can hand some of these things like you know as brilliant as i i think you know someone like like tom king i love tom king's batman run there's mm-hmm. a lot of continuity there and in the end of the day it's 85 issues you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, building to the wedding is 50 and, and, and the payoff, you know, and another, yeah, like another 35 issues. It's, it's a lot to take in. So, um, yeah. but I would, I would want to, if I had somebody, um, you know, so the funny thing about the question is I'm like a friend who's never read comics. So, you know, I, I don't know if I have those. Um, <laughs> but if I, if I did, you know, I'd want to get them into superheroes and, and, you know, I think about, you know, how do you do that in the cleanest, easiest to digest way and it's just i think that that story just hits all those hits all those buttons pushes all those buttons uh and and does so just absolutely beautifully i think you know a lot of people like to talk about dark knight returns or um uh but i i think miller you know at his absolute best was telling that story that's fantastic and uh, yeah it's such a cornerstone for kind of modern comics as mm-hmm. well think isn't it it's it really kind of set the foundations um for for how things have gone today i think yeah. it kind of obviously it, it transitioned us into into a different time yeah and i think it does i think it does so in a much more in a better way than something like the dark knight returns does because yeah. i think i think there is an element of the dark knight returns that's a little um it's got it's got it's got more of a an edge to it that's that's not necessarily from like a realism or a, or a character exploration standpoint. Like it's not about making Gordon a, a, a human being, which is what Year One does, and where a lot of its realism comes from. It's like who is this man? But like a lot of like the Dark Knight Returns edginess comes from you know Joker snapping his own neck or you know. Um, the, the 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 kind of the violence the, the you know i could i could i could take him out in eight different ways you know right all yeah. will kill him and but one will cripple him you know it's like <laughs> i i think that i think that that approach to maturing comics certainly did i think it did some damage across the next 15 years as to what we thought you know mature and modern meant for comics and i feel like over the last um you know couple decades we 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 kind of you know grew out of that idea of of maturity uh equating maturity with with kind of that edginess and mm-hmm. violence and 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 being extreme yeah and so i think year one's just a better kind of a a, a better path forward than, than the dark knight returns was 100 percent. no yeah i agree with that um and yeah no it's a, it's a great starting point for for, for people to to get into a comic so anybody out there pick up batman year one and uh get going <laughs> but uh moving on to our last question in regards to comics um if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be all-star superman grant morrison and frank quitely awesome yeah um and and for me the the uh, the reason for that is i think that if i could carry I think it's the finest example of a Superman story. And if mm-hmm. I could carry one, one character into the future, if I could take one idea from, from the world before this giant meteor <laughs> or asteroid <laughs> and, and, and bring it to the, to the next world, it would, it would be, it would be Superman because in my, in my mind, it is Superman, uh, is this is this ideal that we could strive for you know if 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 everyone tried to be what superman is 
um, kindness and hope and light in darkness. And, and despite being the most powerful force in practically the universe, still being these things, still being good, still being caring. If we all lived to that ideal, I, I, I think the world would be an amazing place. And so to carry that character, that idea, and, you know, particularly Morrison, they, um, they like to talk about this idea of, uh, they grew up fearing the bomb and then realizing that the bomb was this idea and that the superhero was the stronger idea. It was the better idea. It was our evolution. Um, Superman to me is, 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 is that ultimately expressed. And so, um, yeah, I would have to take what I think is the best Superman story, all-star Superman. And, you know, um, the, uh, Quietly's art is just, uh, he, he is one of my favorite artists of all time. And just, it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. So, you know, obviously I'd bring, bring that amazing art with me, uh, post this asteroid mm -hmm. and, you know, and then, and then there's there's the moment at the towards the end of the story where um lex you know he's kind of he's got superman's powers and he says i can actually see the machinery and the wire connecting and separating everything since it all began this is how he superman sees all the time every day like it's just it's all just us in here together we're all we've got and if i gotta carry a message into a, a post-apocalypse. That's a pretty good one. Hundred percent, man. It's a it's a good place to to kind of restart society. Definitely. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like I'm going to accidentally start a Superman religion once I come out of my hole. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it might be a good place to start. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it could be better than the uh, world we're currently living in. Who knows? <laughs> um, it's worth it. Worth a shot. <laughs> But uh, along alongside your um, deluxe edition of, of All Star Superman, um, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Well, given that I got to go underground, I guess a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be useful. Seems, it seems like, see, yeah, it seems like it would be the the most uh, the most useful thing to have. Hundred percent, man, straight up, um, excellent. Um, well. Um, Vince Underwood, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Uh, and for the listeners, one more time, where can they uh, find you online? Uh, at Vince Underwood on Twitter, at Vince Underwood Art on Instagram, or my website, vinceunderwood.com. Perfect. Um, Vince, I hope our paths cross one day at a Comic Con. Um, I oh, really absolutely. do, because I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed today. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, take care, and I'll see you on Twitter. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks again to Vince for being on Comics with the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Vince's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now. <laughs>